Auntie Nemi? Aye. I don't know why he doesn't get a game. <laughs> For Scotland? Aye. He's from Finland. He's what? He's Finnish, isn't he? He's not finished. He's only 28. <laughs> Episode 132, and it's me, Gary P, and of course, that prof, Carl Roy. Go Shamrocks. Go Shamrocks. So, it's of course still sponsored by the fantastic Ocean Electrical, who can be contacted through us on our Instagram, on our Facebook, on our Twitter, and also if you Google Ocean Electrical as well, and they'll just magically appear on the internet. So, that is Ocean Electrical for all your electrical needs. Coming up with a jingle, the prof has got the keyboard out, he's gonna get the jingle going. The keyboard is very dusty at this stage. <laughs> dusty old keyboard. We haven't we haven't had a bang of that in a while. Well, that sound bad. It was the opening of the Tata Saga special. I was oh yeah, did we have a sing song? Yeah, I was playing the fuck the GAA song. Oh yeah, yeah. And, uh, Dave Carpenter joined in a bit. Yeah, Dave. It's dulcet tones. Yeah, so we uh, fantastic stuff and an eventful enough week. But we've got another scorers draw. Talk about. And shells last week, and there's an interview with uh, Ilves Tampere. <laughs> Why do I keep doing the Italian thing? You just talk, just saw me, drop the Italian accent, forget it. The Finns supported ahead of Thursday's Europa League toy in Tallis. So, really, really excited about this. And the buzz around this now is building, even though we're not going to the game, even though we're not traveling to Finland. There's a buzz. We have a little event organized as well, so um, that'll be kept underneath our hats. Due to social distancing and COVID restrictions, but uh, as cool as uh, our guest was, uh, I don't think we really, really, really needed his insight because we've already got the lowdown on our Finnish opponents thanks to one Tomer Hinchinski, and he gave us this lowdown in Ilves. Uh, they're a very big team, obviously popular, very strong. And then uh, I know that uh, you know from Sweden, I know the Swedish clubs are also very big and strong, and I know Norwegian clubs are also very big and strong. So a, a in-depth analysis from Tomer Kinchinski. Fantastic. And we are very happy to have him on board. So um, yeah, our Shero interview last week got a bit of stick off of certain hoops for this one, calling him a shells legend. But um, I saw I thought it was pretty good. Johnny John Dorney said this on Facebook. Tony Sheridan was probably the only non-Rovers player that I really look forward to playing, seeing against us, an absolutely brilliant player, and he was one of those. I know I didn't have the pleasure of seeing him play but from what we were told from our Crumlin um, insight it's like he's one of those magic players who could turn it on at any minute but also a bit mad as well so there's been plenty of those throughout the years as mad players who just could turn it on at the flick of a switch a couple of people said to me on Friday like what was the story with him thinking that Roddy was in charge for the relegation playoff and you'd even said to him beforehand that Adam O'Neill had trouble finding goalkeepers and then two minutes later, he's talking about Roddy being in the dressing room in tears. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah well, where did that come from? That was like an imaginary situation. His, his memory was all over the shop there, but, but otherwise, a uh, really good interview. 
apparently he was quite happy with Shell Point and Tata. Yeah, um, we'll talk about that in a while. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, like you said, what was the stat? I asked you for it yesterday. Forced team to get a point in Tala since Pat's nil all drawn September. Mm-hmm. So it is a decent enough point. Only the second team to even get a draw against us in 15 home games. 15 home, 15 home games. Right, so before the Shelbourne game, we had a mad couple of days that saw Dundalk beating 3-0 by the Slovak champs. And it was a Champions League absolute massacre. And Vinnie Bert, Vinnie Bert, Vinnie Pert dismissed as the manager. So Vinnie apparently knew 48 hours before the Champions League time in Budapest that he was going to be replaced. A disagreement with the club's American owner over player selection was a factor. And um, the James Rogers article was an extremely interesting read. Mm, I, I read, read it last this, yeah. night in work and I was fascinated with the insight and the way he delved in and he must have had his moles. No wonder he was banned last year. Oh, this was a expose problem. <laughs> did you read the whole lot? I did, yeah. Well, the shit that he went through. I only knew about half because you you you've been hearing bits and pieces about like like the owner has bought a player or assigned a player based on like a YouTube clip or something. The fact that he was being told to play Duffy his best player in the middle of the park yeah. to accommodate a new guy. And the fact that he did play in the centre in Stigo. Who, who's in his ear when he's on the bench? Who's saying to him, or is he told beforehand, you need to do what you're, what we're telling you? Is that the way it is? Imagine having to run a club like that. And then your man Nathan O'Dua, is, he got his brother a deal, and apparently Josh Gah is like a, a, a nephew of one of the the peak six guys. Yeah, what's the story with these Americans? They've been signing under the radar. That's that's, that's strange. Did you see the amount of signings there that we had no idea about? Yeah. The young guys and the German guy and a few others. Unbelievable. I had no idea any of that happened. Expose. So definitely yeah. check it out. James Rogers. I think he has his own website. Um, really, really mm. brilliant article. So it was a great read. It all happened so fast, didn't it? Like I didn't even have time to make my Vinny must stay headline. I was like. Because the Glemelor Gazette did one for a bit of young at Bowes in the 1980s because we were on a 23 match unbeaten run against Bowes. So they had a big headline, Biddy must stay. So we were all thinking Biddy must stay. No, not a chance. I yeah. think um, I think the, the plane hadn't even hit the tarmac and he'd gotten his marching orders. Imagine how awkward that plane home would have been. It's like, yeah, you're not the gaffer anymore. You probably knew on the plane. Think about it. Really, really awkward. They've sacked a league winning manager eight games into the following season. Think about that. Yes, and Super Mario is going to come back. A.K.A. Brendan Fox. So, uh, amidst Vinny getting the sack, we had all sorts of rumours flying. Their initial one was Robbie Kane. And I don't know know where that came from. Uh, There was another one of Mark Burton, former Man City coach, and some sort of advisor... Already with Dundalk, but then out of out of left field became Filippo Giavagnoli, formerly in charge of AC Milan's summer camps. So he was supposedly announced to be the new manager. Is this reminds me of the Samba soccer camps? That was my first thought. Yeah. Do you remember when like yeah. these these good Brazilian internationals? These, these fellas probably played on the beach fo- beach football, and then they're coming over and they're coaching here. I love Conor Sullivan's tweet. Yeah, I'll give him that. I'll give him that much. 
That was excellent. Yeah. Apparently, this was announced that that was mentioned on the radio a bit about the summer camps, and it's just it's embarrassing for the league. You'd cringe, wouldn't you? It is embarrassing for the league. Some fella who's never had a job in his life by looking after kids' football for the summer is all of a sudden being trusted into one of the most prestigious jobs in Irish football. Well, basically, Dundalk have had their Akranis now. Yeah. And they're officially in Brian Law's territory. Brian Law's territory, and yeah. believe me, you don't ever want to be in Brian Law's territory. <laughs> no, not, not at all. As Pat Camaran says, it's like watching us after Michael O'Neill... But you can enjoy every fucking last minute of it. Every last minute of it. Even, even when on, when James Rogers posted that, I said, I really enjoyed that article. <laughs> really, really enjoyed reading that brilliant yeah. article. It's fantastic. How long have we been waiting for this? Cause so we don't, we're not the centre of attention. We don't wanna, we're not getting the piss taken out of us now. It's great. Oh. But now we have to ca- we capitalise on that. But, ca- uh, as for the, the Champions League game itself... Also, what was very enjoyable was Eddie Weekly afterwards. Hearing Dan McDonald savage that performance. Uh, he was very damning oh, the way he yes. said that. Uh, I didn't hear it. The tactics were like fumbling around in the, in the dark. Oh, I love it. When Vinny made like the halftime changes. Although, according to that article, Vinny didn't make them. The halftime changes came from uh, up high. They could have been. They could have came from Zoom. Some dude sitting in America. <laughs> Cornflakes completely sold out in the town of Dundalker. Totally. Salty cornflakes, all over, fantastic stuff. And um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy this. I know a man's lost his job and all, but that's football. And I saw a certain Bose director make a certain statement about we know the football is this and that, and he said that let's all remember that a man has lost his job. I guarantee you, any amount of money, he wouldn't say that, brother. Was in the was in the shooting range now. Agbaza was getting aimed up. Not a chance. No reminder to Bose fans that they have sang. There's only one Stephen Bradley, and you're getting sacked in the morning. Probably about twenty five times. Yep. In the last few years, how'd that work out? <laughs> How many cups? Yeah. So um, yeah. So it's a an interesting week. So we're gonna talk about the cup prof. We were drawn at home to Cork in the FAI Cup, which did seem like a good draw at the time. Looking a little bit tougher now, a bit of form behind them. Yeah. Although, no one, like, literally only Sligo are in form. Everyone else wins one week and loses the next. Yeah. Like, that Derry win over Cork, you could see that coming. But, uh. Tell us why, uh, we were watching the draw, Prof, and mm-hmm. the Cup wasn't there. Tell us why the Cup wasn't there, Prof. <laughs> because we had it. Because Mark Lynch had it. <laughs> Mark Lynch had it in his in his rover's lair. I sure wasn't still on uh, Member Carty's pillows. <laughs> yeah, think about it, man. It was just epic, wasn't it? And uh, we don't have the cup here today because rovers have it. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the host? Was it Peter Collins? I think I, it was I, Kenny. I never saw Kenny. Them, it was Stephen Kenny, wasn't it? No, but who actually presented? Oh, I don't know. I just I was very um, I was admiring his ball uh, swirling abilities. He swirled the balls well. So moving on to our exploits on the pitch, and it was Neil Alba, Shelbourne and Talat with Liam Scales starting ahead of Lee Grace. So, so I was right about Scales starting, but not for the reason I gave. I yeah. was I was giving Joey a rest, but in this case it was because we forgot that the suspension from uh, Lee Grace's red card in Cyprus last year that's carried over. So Brazzer obviously had one eye on that. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Well, talk about crazy. This is crazy, right? 
Bray Wanderers, right? Yeah. Have only qualified for Europe twice in their history. That's when they won the FEI Cup in 1990. Yeah. And 1999. They had a player who was with them for the course of a decade called Bo McKeever. Right. Right. He played in the European game in 1990. No. And he got sent off. Then the 1999 Cup Winners' Cup. He was suspended. UEFA Cup came around then. And he was suspended. Nine years there. A nine year suspension. Beat that. Wow. And they actually found out about that. And they kept him off. Because normally you'd be thinking, okay, I'm in this game now. They actually probably got a memo. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, less than nine years ago he got sent off. Apparently he was fuming. Oh, man. (laughs) Imagine. (laughs) You'd be bullying, wouldn't you? That's crazy. So... Nil all, yeah, and Scalesy, once again, he started ahead of league race. So, Prof, uh, were you at this one? I was, indeed. So tell me, was there anything of note on the ground? Usual rigmarole, getting my temperature checked on the way in, and usual sparse crowd of a dozen people there. Sprightly ball boys. Oh, yeah. Got a new ball boy, actually, Mick Kearns. Mick Kearns, the whack. Yeah. The whack was a ball boy. What a man of many talents. He discovered (laughs) Cheryl. And now he's in the ball, boy. He's, he's a ball retriever, as they say. He was he was behind the Shell's goalkeeper in the second half in the cell stand. Very well strategically placed there. <laughs> Very well. And apparently when he was taking the goal kick, you could just hear him behind the goal and he goes, hurry the fuck up, keeper. <laughs> but, um, yeah, notes from, from the game. Uh, Vinnie Purge was there. I even saw that on TV, but he was very uh, tight-lipped, wasn't he? Sure he was. Delighted there was no fans as well. Because uh, he, he said he was still technically employed by the Dock, so he couldn't say as much. Other bits of interest. Still technically employed by the Dock? Yeah. Really? I don't know. I suppose these contracts take a while to iron yeah, out. Maybe them, so, yeah. yeah. I had to get a taxi to, to the game because I was kind of rushing after work. <laughs> and uh had the usual chat with the taxi driver that I could support because he was driving me to Tata Stadium. And he goes, yeah, Rovers, actually. Used to go to Milltown. The old cliche. Taxi driver's Barton Rovers. Yeah. So shout out to Patrick Timmons, who is Joey O'Brien's cousin. Ah, brilliant. Joey yeah. has a good few Rovers um, Rovers affiliates. He has Al McCready as well. It's another one. So big hoops family. Mm-hmm. There was a few lads from uh, Shelburne Media in the ground. And uh, there was about three of them, I think. And they were sitting pretty much... With us, in the middle of the main stand, like near the Glenmore Suite, behind the dugouts, and they were quite boisterous, I must <laughs> say. Especially the full-time whistle, like they were going nuts. And you're just sitting around thinking like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is a home game. Yeah. You should be over in the far corner or something. But uh, first half chances, Gar. Oh, yeah, Bork and Jack, shots on target. Um, very frustrating game, Prof. Very frustrated lately the way teams are setting up against us, but we should be able to start breaking these down. I think I think Brad's spoke afterwards. He said that we need to start learning how to put these teams away who are going to be defensive against us. He said we need to be more ruthless against teams with defensive tactics. But did we did we create anything of note? I mean, anything anything really really good? I don't think so. Uh, the Aaron Graham on the second half that was probably our best chance. Uh, I think that was a true ball by Jack. 
but it was similar to Pats in that there were some really good balls zipped across the box and if one of them goes in, especially early in the game, it's a different game and no one's complaining and we win 1-0. But when they don't, and the longer the game goes on at 0-0, especially that second half performance, yeah, we just ran out of ideas. It was just ponderous. Can we say that again? They're just not quick enough. Not quick enough to get off the mark. We're playing in front of these teams and they're just setting up and they can easily deal with us because there's no cutting creative creative passes and it's just no, no cutting edge no as, cutting edge at all seemed to be a bit of energy missing from that second half performance. did didn't it we were sapped of energy it seemed like that anyway it seemed like we were building momentum I know I know we're throwing in Pats and Shelburne in the same category because we didn't score in either game but I think we we underselled Pats a bit last week it was a good performance and they had like 10 men behind the ball or was it 9 men Find the ball for like the whole second half and there was no getting through no but we actually played some nice stuff in that game yeah it was a better performance against Pats than it was against Shields yeah. but it seemed like I think McAniff was interviewed during the week and he said they're really we're really building momentum and getting our fitness and getting used to the no crowd factor so okay we dropped points in, in, in Chicago, but it felt like it was gone somewhere but this this I was felt like it went nowhere did you see him I think it was like two or three passes in a row in the second half that went nowhere. Yeah. Straight out play. Watts was one of them. Born, Jack way, was one of them. Oh, man. I was throwing pillows all over the hotel room. Well, what happened is you get that at one stage and then Jack Byrne would get on the ball, especially the last half hour of the game. And he just, he tried to overdo everything. He just, he kept trying to beat three or four men. And then when there might be a pass on. But they're set up for that. They're set up for that delayed type of play where we're taking too much elbow, they can get back into position and then they can defend in banks of four and five and, and then work their way out and then they might be able to hit us when they're clipping balls up. Mm. So, very, very frustrating. But I don't want to come down, you don't want to do, come down too hard on Jack either because A, he's been playing with a back injury. Yeah. So that's, that's important to mention that. And B, he did have an unbelievable Maisie run in the first half it was reminiscent of that UCD goal last season remember yeah. that one where he like ran half the pitch and he just he just overran the ball out for a goal kick right at the end but it was like if that comes off you know yeah. it's worth it it's worth it yeah but that's what you that's why you play him that's yeah. why you play him because you want that but if he does it if he tries that seven or eight times in the last half hour and you're chasing the goal and Graham Burke is trying his wild shots off target in the last half hour and we need a goal that's when it becomes very noticeable so uh, very frustrating night all around but we will talk about the second half prof well the first half chances I suppose Berkey and, and Jack just had shots that were saved you wouldn't call them chances I suppose no. would you we were we had a few sort of half chances from set pieces we were looking kind of dangerous I know Neil Frugge is probably the biggest talking point from this game wasn't he for a lot of fans. Yeah, I think so. I thought he had a bright start to the match. The first half. It was looking like he was enjoying the wider space at Tata Stadium. Although we've been told it's an illusion. <laughs> he was looking like a great outlet for us. He did have one like dazzling run. Like it was brilliant. Like That's what you're talking about. That's yeah. what you have with Farouja. That's what you can get out mm. of him. And that's what you want. You want to get more forward up the pitch though. You know what I mean? Mm. Oh, it was brilliant the way he worked his way inside and he found Berkey. 
But uh, unfortunately, was in terms of end product, it was really downhill from there. And then we were kind of over relying on on him in the first half, and it was it was basically a rerun of Pats. It was like use Fruge your first half, bring on Marshall, and mainly use him on the right second half. Have you noticed that? Yeah, it's um, it's. Do you think he's doing doing it too much? Do you think he's going like for like and predictable with his subs? In terms of personnel, or in terms of which flanks we in, use? In terms of in, in general, the substitutions. Do you think that he's predictable? Well, it has been the same four or five subs yeah. every time, hasn't it? But I mean, they worked in Derry. Yeah, true. Very true. Yeah. So that's what you do have to take into account. It just hasn't worked in... We're not going to shit all over them because it hasn't worked mm. in two games where two teams have set up extremely defensively against us and we struggle to break them down. Uh, you cannot completely hammer the team for that. And if you do, you can get out of the club because that's not what we do. We stick behind the team and they are putting in effort. That's the thing. It was tough to break down these teams that are defensively setting up who to take a point, pretty much. Obviously, they're going to try and nick a win if they can. Mm. But... They're happy with a point. They did have a couple of opportunities in fairness to them. Uh, there was one in the first half where Big Al uh, let the ball slip in the air. And oh, he, yeah. He kind of... Heart and mouth stuff. He just about redeemed himself by closing down the space for the, to get the shot or cross or whatever was going to happen. And then and then there was a corner immediately following that where he let it... It was... Well, it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was a mistake, but he just kind of palmed it away. So normally the ball is uh, glued to Big Al's gloves, isn't it? But yeah, I know. Yeah, something, something going on there. Really makes a mistake. And uh, shells were actually a little bit on top at the end of the first half. Uh, surprisingly, I think Kilduff had a chance maybe in the second half. But uh, yeah, our best one I'd say was the was the Aaron Green chance, wasn't it, from close range? Yeah, I think um, I need to be scoring these. But that, as you said earlier, why did the shells keeper get man the match? I don't know why he got man the match. That was only save. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Well, it, only, was it that much of a was that much of a bad game? If we're not counting like long range efforts, straight Adam, like Berkey and Jack, was that was only significant save? Is it the type of thing where he makes two average saves, one decent one, no one more than decent, but. And then you have to give a man the match because there's just so fucking little else going on in the game. The old Brendan Clark job. Yeah. So that's the third game in a row where Joey was whipped off in around the 62 or 65 minute mark. And then Gary O'Neill slotted in a centre-back. So there's a bit of a pattern emerging there, isn't there? Yeah, I think he's, he's well able to play there. That's the thing, though. <laughs> well, a pattern as in Joey uh, being taken off. Yeah, I think... Mm. I don't know. He'd play on if he wanted him to. But are they mm. noticing something, or is he? Is this a, a, like an unsaid agreement where they kind of say, "Okay, Joey is only going to be at the last sixty odd minutes now." Mm. I don't know. Is this something they're noticing? Is it something that they both they both know where he's going to say, "Listen, give me sixty minutes to the shoulders at me." Or well, given his influence on the team and his organization, he it's well worth those. 60 yes, minutes. yes, definitely. Oh, you'd want the ninety. You'd want yeah. the ninety, but maybe wear and tear starting to kick in. Do you reckon this is the kind of game where we missed fans? 100% Mr. Fans 100% we've missed them the last two games it's something that um, maybe the players I'm hoping they buy into it but I really genuinely think that we're starting to miss them now because the South Stand would be rocking especially in the Dublin Derby would have been absolutely on fire so it's something that we really are starting to struggle with did PSG do something 
for the was it the final the what? final the most recent one yeah I didn't see that but I saw the first one the first one's behind closed doors and it was before the break so possibly February or March and they had about 40,000 40, outside the stadium apparently yeah. I saw some photos and it was absolutely insane so, I saw, saw someone suggesting on uh, Facebook could we do something maybe on a smaller scale as they arrive in the team bus or I don't think so because like we're, they're all going to arrive in dribs and drabs aren't they mm. but it would, some sort of gesture would be would be nice if it was possible to do it and we were allowed to do it in a safe way but standing socially distant yeah flares in hands it's just not an ideal situation any of this is it but and and as always in the silence you can really hear what's being said in the pitch and you can hear the frustration from the players like yeah. Pika was booked for swearing the ref was he? yeah I didn't see that I was just out of nowhere and uh, Jack has looked look a bit frustrated the last couple of games yeah but we, we've talked about him there a bit so any other notes and performances pretty, there? pretty much it no I mean it was just disappointing overall I mean the, the passing towards the end was what really got me it's just it's like we weren't on the same page the Watts pass a couple of other ones that just went totally to no one it's like we were trying too hard for that killer pass every time and it just it just didn't work out again once again another team comes to tell a defensive display and uh, they they probably deserved the point they probably deserved it Shells were decent in yeah. fairness uh, we were talking about Gary Deegan earlier because he, he works with you kicking everything in sight is that what he said? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he had a good game. I will give it to him. I will give it to him. But um, they had a game plan. They they fulfilled it. They got the point. They were happy mm-hmm. with a point. So it'll probably be a big one towards the end of the season when they're probably in the relegation playoff. Or I think Marius came out afterwards and said he knew how Rovers were gonna set up. Pretty much everybody does now at this stage. Yeah. So maybe it's time to switch it up. Well, the word Plan B is being floated around a lot now. Fairness, we do have a plan B for Bowes. We've shown that. We're very direct against that. That was brilliant. That was excellent, yeah. That was do or die. But with this, you kind of want to trust the process and see how you get on. But two games, it's a blip. Two games is a blip. We can call it a blip, right? Two teams coming to us like we spoke about before. You can call it a blip, or you can start panicking and say, we've gone three hours without a goal. prof. Um, I'm, I'm quoting other panickers. I think maybe we're just saving the goals for Thursday. Yeah, that's it. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. Well, this the Finns, as you call them, like they're unlikely to set up the way Derry, Pats, and Shelburne have set up. Are we right? hundred percent right. Yeah, they, I don't think they will. Um, they're they're struggling in the league. They're not scoring goals. They're conceding. I think they won their last game three one. But you'd expect to be beating these teams. It's a different game of ball, totally, isn't it? Where you can't really. Like a lot of teams are familiar with us, their coaches are familiar with us, they'll have they'll watch us a lot where these guys will probably have some videos, won't really be able to get an in depth knowledge of us, so I'm thinking mm-hmm. I hope they don't <laughs> just set up. Because then it's a once off toy. They're gonna have to win, whereas some teams might come and get a point, they'd be happy with a point in Tala. These guys gotta win, they wanna go through the next round. They have to come here and beat us. So they have to have some sort of attack formation. I'm actually more fascinated by what Bowles approach would be. Because This is what I've been thinking about. They're coming to Tata two points behind us. So, did they play the long game of a point? I don't think they'll change the way they... They're a winning team. They haven't lost in a while. I don't think they're going to change the game at all. I think Long is going to try and get in their heads. 
and say these are here for the beating do you owe them one you know we haven't beaten them so long remember the we're, semi we're remember the semi as worried as people have been the last two games we're, we're not there for the beating though we, we kept two clean sheets and we barred one or two nervy moments no I totally we agree with didn't you didn't really look like conceding in but he will, he will be in their head filling them full of that false knowledge we're still very solid mm. hard to break down we're a hard team to score against it's just it's not working at the other end for the minute momentarily the last two games but we'll improve on that when we play the Finns well, I skimmed the on- online reaction here did you? Skim is a nice way of saying it yeah the usual panic merchants but I mean we were never going to win every game were we? I'm not even going to uh, discuss them we're, we're top we're unbeaten at the halfway point of the season you know what's bad when Darren Glennon is telling people to calm down yeah I know the voice of reason was Darren <laughs> Glennon of all people. The tattoo has changed him. Yeah, it's seeped into his psyche now at this stage. <laughs> Every time he gets worried, he, just, he looks at Brad's or smile. Yeah. Was, was like, ah, that'd be grand. There was actually a reply on Facebook at one stage saying that we've never replaced Gary Twig. And I'm like, it's been eight years now. Now the Titanic sank as well, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Can we move on? But I mean, maybe Europe and the Cup has come at a good time. Get a, get a couple of wins there and the confidence is back. Get the goals flowing. That's that's it. That's all we can hope for. Um, it's it's all we can hope for, and it's remember it's Europe, different game of ball completely, and the players might I don't know they might take it, they might approach it differently. I just mentioned as well we played the last ten minutes of that game with uh, ten men. Yeah, the Gaffney thing. I was sitting in like I, I was away, but I was watching it on the phone. I was watching it on, actually. I watched. <coughs> I was I was consuming beverages. And I watched the first half of my phone and then I realised it was on the telly. So I turned on the telly and then watched that and I was just fucking screaming at the ho- at the telly for like half an hour. Just so frustrated. So frustrated. Did Shelburne notice that we were down to 10 minutes? I don't know. But I was screaming, we sub gaffo! Sub gaffo! Not realising that we Yeah. See, the substitution thing had been... We'd we'd only made for ourselves, but we weren't allowed a fourth opportunity to make a change. So that's him out now. See, this is what I was doing a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I was just raising awareness of how this situation can arise. I'm with you on this, bro. Yeah, you're, loyalty. You're welcome. Loyalty on this. You're welcome, one. everybody. Mm. Anyone who shot on the prof, you're dead to us. But anyway, the online reaction we will skip past that. And uh, it's not worth talking about. But we'll move on to the B team with some fantastic stuff. Great 4-0 win for the B team in Athlone on the same night. Brandon Kavanagh with a brace. Four goals from Max Murphy and Mikey Letty who was making his debut. So really, really positive. Sean Brennan supposedly running the show again. Did you see a couple of these goals? Did you see the goal? Was it the Letty goal? Top corner. Absolute fantastic play on the lead up to it. The first one was... Uh... The streak! The first one the was right a, strike. a body by Kavanaugh on the edge of the box. No, I didn't see that. That was that was a cracker. And uh, now, when you say volley, are we talking about a volley that's a been volley. taken out of the sky? Or are we talking a bounce? A diagonal crossfield ball to the edge of the box and a volley in the opposite corner. First time. Yep. Oh, how have I not checked this? And out? the goal you're talking about is Letty, the fourth one. I think. Outrageous. From just from inside the box, yeah. top corner. And. Uh, yeah, Sean Brennan getting high praise again. Zeffy involved 
in a couple of the goals really well worked this, this was impressive yeah loving this loving this the development is what it's all about <laughs> some, uh, some high squad numbers in this BTM I think Zeffy's 75 75 yeah I think they get to pick their own one don't they obviously there's some relevance to it maybe um, yeah, was so he born very, very happy with that. Very happy with His that. His dad might have been born seventy five. <laughs> yeah. So that's the the B team, prof, and uh, some starlets working their way up the ranks. Other results now: we Derry three, Cork City one. So uh, Derry had that coming, needed a win. We slowly got three and dark one. Who I backed, I backed them in a fantastic bet. Mm. I had Sevilla as well, and who else did I have? Had someone else, but it came up and it was nice. But that's uh, three nil at one stage, and Dundalk, or they missed the penalty as well. Pat Holben missed the penalty, and then they got another penalty. They scored that. I think I heard a good stat. That's the third time Holben's missed a penalty against that keeper. Delighted, delighted. So that would have been McNulty, wouldn't it? No, not McNulty. McGinty. Yeah. Yeah, McGinty. That's the guy we've been having an eye on. So that's inflicting more misery on Dundalk. Sligo <laughs> now up to fourth. Uh, suddenly, European contenders. It's crazy, isn't it? You know what's even crazier? It's impossible to predict who's going down this season. <laughs> it is. And look at here. Look at Finn Harps did. Look at Finn Harps did. Now, you said you tipped Sligo. I actually had a feeling Harps would get something in this game. I had. I cashed out on another bet and I lumped on Waterford because I thought they were great. Five to six. That 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 would go down three. No, fell apart for me. Very obvious. So that <laughs> was that bet down the Swanee. But uh, fantastic win for them. That's the way. First points since the lockdown. Amazing. Really? Yeah. Finn Harps. Yeah. The, their only win was in the cup against Pats. Yeah, this, that's what I was thinking of. I was talking to a Pats fan after the after the cup win. After Harps had beaten Pats. And he was just like, Harps are so bad. <laughs> and this is the team that beat them. Oh, and he was it. like, I, I can't believe how bad they are. Don't even want to talk about his own team. Yeah. Yeah, as I said, I had a sneaky feeling. Did I bet on it? Of course not. Mm. Never happened. You actually do do that though. I'm surprised you didn't because when you have these sneaky feelings, you usually mm. go for it. Well, what I've gone for, what I've committed, <clears throat> what I've committed to is uh, Michael O'Neill Stoke to get promoted. Yeah. I, I've backed that at 92. 92, you got the great so, show. Props bet of the year. I'm going to have to wait nearly a year for this to come in, hopefully. but Definitely a great show. Speaking of bets, uh, there was a Twitter account tweeting furiously at Rovers during this Shelburne game many many exclamation marks involved saying like we better score have a bit of a grand win on this yeah it wasn't coming pal who are these weirdos was, yeah I know it's a uh, I do the old 10 euro shopping list accumulator or the odd trio and you think you're going to come up with it that's all bit of crack with it I remember years ago someone was doing that to Sligo I think it was Sligo and uh their, their official Twitter account just rolled back. No one cares about your bet. Yeah, <laughs> oops, like them. Yeah. So, Bowes, Prof. Two points. Two nil win over Pats. So, Pats lay down and took it sweetly. And Bowes will be our next league opponents in Talat. So, they rolled over and just let Bowes trample all over them. So, the next one is the 5th of September in Talat. And the next two weeks, like we spoke about earlier on, are massive. We've got... Finnish opponents, we've got Cork in the Cup and we've got our most important league game possibly since 2009 versus Bowles, 2010. 2010, with uh, Pat Flynn kicking them up the arse, that's probably the biggest derby since that. It's crazy, 
So it's it's a lot to take mm-hmm. in for the next two weeks. Three massive, massive games. And it's something we can't underestimate. And we're hoping the squad is ready. We're, we're sure the squad is ready to take on this challenge. Three games, Prof. Will we predict all the three games? You love doing that, don't you? <laughs> I would predict two max. Because it's two games in between now and the next show. It's the best I can do for you. So that will be balls on the 5th. And it will be uh, the hottest ticket in town. And everyone will be going to be ball retriever at that one. Jack Bourne, Prof. He would have missed the Bowes game if he had been selected in the Ireland squad, but Stephen Kenny only put him on standby. So, um, Berkey's on standby as well. Yeah, it's a good thing. It's a good thing because we obviously want our best players to be playing against our rivals in the biggest game in years. So, any other time, you'd probably want them up to you know, get into the mm. squad and, and do what he needs to do. But this time around, Jacko's ours. Happy enough with that. Interesting squad as well. Did you have a look at it? Only noticed who was admitted because he made headlines. Mm. We had Obafemi who tweeted disgrace, deleted, then tweeted int- and tweeted interesting, spelled it wrong. And that was the worst part. Um, this is devoid of opinions. Personally, I think he was stupid to tweet it. It's pointless. There's no point in doing that. You're already shitting in your front yard by tweeting that, and you like I'm sure he has Kenny's number. Am I right? It's a great way to not get called up again. Has he got Kenny's number? More than likely. All he has to do is ring him up. And even that, he probably doesn't know him an explanation. Where he could ring him up and say, Gaffer, listen, what can I do to get into the next squad? Is there something I'm doing wrong? Be humble. Ring him up and say, okay, is there anything I can do? Is there anything you want me to improve on? How can I get into this next squad? Maybe you should ring Jason McIntyre. He seems to know everything about international management. Trigger. What an empty head. Should get him on. Ah, oh, so yeah, interesting stuff in the interesting squad. He's brought up young Malumbi, Jason Malumbi. That was that was a worldwide call up. I thought uh, he was bringing. He he only had I think he had less defenders than any other position in the whole squad, which I like. Very championship manager move. So uh, great to see um, some young guys in the squad. Get starting to get our interest back in the national team, prof. Oh, I'm very interested in the, in the Kenny reign. Yeah, big Definitely. time. We fell totally off the map. It feels like the <laughs> beginning of the McCarthy reign in 1996. It's just something to look forward to because you might see some young... Like, Ida and Parrot being in it is brilliant. I think Ida is going to be a hot shot. I think he's going to score for fun. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Connolly as well is another one I like the look of. To see Tony O'Donoghue uh, he at Jack Byrne, he said he's a bit mi- not included in the... <laughs> In the Ireland squad, <laughs> Jack just rides back. Cheers, Tony. Yeah, no, nice one, bro. <laughs> That's a rookie mistake by Tony. You, you only at the player if it's good news. And if it's bad news, you just write his name in plain text. This is just basic stuff, Tony. Uh, Tony, you leave Tony alone, right? Tony, Tony's a pro. He knew what he was doing. I have another tip, Gary. I think a few people have said this. I think we're going to see the real Jack Byrne on Thursday. Oh, he just lights up Europe, doesn't he? He's going to turn it on he, like he did last summer. That's it. We have a little surprise for our team selection as well, by the way. I got even now, Jackie. Oh, no, certainly not, <laughs> certainly not. Couldn't do that, not this time around, but it is a bit of a, a surprise, you could say. Um, yeah, so that is Jack Bourne and the Ireland squad. That is our bit of news there. In League of Ireland news, we have John Caulfield, the new manager of Galway, and a. Uh, it's a good appointment, but there's too much niceties going around for this. Oh, John Caulfield, it's a fantastic signing. Yeah, it's a good signing. 
listen to praise. Like, there's too much praise going on here. John Covey is still the one that would shit all over overs, whatever, any any moment he could. I actually didn't think he'd take the job. I was kind of surprised. I don't think he had any other options. I think he might have been just chomping at the bit to get back in. How long has it been since mm-hmm. he's over job now? A year? At least a year. Good to be a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's nothing on the table. Uh, probably a few quid with Galway and a good challenge. And he's probably thinking, I'll, I'll give this a go. This is a really that good was, opportunity. That was probably the key, wasn't it? A bit of financial muscle there. Yeah. Are they going to get promoted in the first crack? Uh, I don't know. It's a bit of a mad season there. And he's uh, he's moving to Galway as well, so not a bad city to live in either. Oh, long term, it's it's a good fit, I suppose. I think so. He could very well get them put back up, and I'm happy with that. <laughs> I'm happy with Galway in the league. Yeah, we need another trip to the what was it called? Uh, the, the locker room, locker room, bar. locker room bar, the yeah. Or yeah. square, air square, or 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 air. Which one was it again? I oh, got hammered for this last time. I can't remember. Um, uh, yeah. so Gavin Bazunu is going to join Rochdale on loan and uh, Big Deck will be smiling down on this one because he was a big Rochdale man yes indeed he'd been very very happy with this with this signing so great to see young 18 year old going to be playing League 1 League 1, league one yeah. football getting stuck into men's football at 18 years of age and he's already done it he's done the business down in Turner's Cross and uh, very, very happy to see him getting game time. So big Gav's probably listening. And a uh, big shout out. And hope you do. Fantastic young man. Yeah, best of luck, Gav. Um, yeah, so really interested in that one. And it's it's it just brings us back to the championship manager days again, doesn't it? Putting your best players up for a loan. And when you get a loan offer in, you're just thinking, oh, lovely. Hoping his ratings go up and stuff like that. That's <laughs> the way I'm treating it. A young protege. Um, yeah, so Rovers... More on the Roadstone project. Uh, well done to Rovers for reaching the final of the under-14s SFAI Skechers National Cup trophy at the weekend, beating a very strong Ashling and a Cotty team from Limerick. So, some very good news over the weekend for our Roadstone project. Was that the one where Naughty was saying they only had 14 players? Very possible, yeah, because they had to, some a lot of players were excluded because of lockdown. Mm. So, we abided by the rules there and we still got the win. So, very happy with that. And uh, meanwhile, the 17s, they got their season off to a fine start with a 7-1 defeat of Athlone at Rosestone this weekend. And our 13s won their opening national game, 5-3, against Bray. So a goal bonanza and loads of wins for our underage sides. So Nolly will, uh, Nolly, I'll tell you what, he'll have a spring in his step when he's putting them cones out this weekend. <laughs> and um, very, very happy man. So the women's as well, they started their under-17s and had their game postponed, unfortunately, once again, away to P-Mount. It's been rescheduled for Wednesday night, so they've no luck. So Sean Kelly's charges will be hoping to get their get their uh, season off to a start on Wednesday. So Prof Stephen Bradley, he spoke about the new government restrictions and he believes the League of Ireland sport is generally being punished for the sins of others. So this is a very interesting quote. I said, I'd like to understand and know how they came to the decision that they have come to in terms of putting a blanket statement for everybody because I don't think it's right, said the Rovers manager. He says, I need to be careful here, but I think clubs have worked too hard and are doing too much in terms of protocols at the games and in terms of training for the government just to come out and make a blanket statement about everything. If they went around and looked at what's being done, they would understand what has gone into from every club and the finances that have gone into it. I don't think that the statement should relate to the league. 
I really don't think it should. We have been asked for clarification and everything that was said last night, but it changes nothing in terms of me preparing to play Shelbourne. I know there is a wider picture, but we got tested on. I think it was Sunday or Monday. Everyone is clear again. You can't come out and tell us two days before a game to train and pods at 15 for no apparent reason. And this is uh, a wise head on Stephen Bradley here. Mm-hmm. Very political <laughs> head on him. And <clears throat> the, the, like we said, we don't really want to talk about government restrictions and things like that and it's a football show but what the fuck is going on we don't want to talk politics either but what is going on you don't need us to tell us that it's an absolute shambles the last week or so it is unbelievable what has gone on in the past couple of weeks as regards to just behaviour of government officials and everything in general Mm. just makes no sense and it just it boils your blood Basically, a summary of the situation is uh, zero people are allowed in at a Rovers underage game. Mm-hmm. We can have 15 at a Rovers senior game, and we can have 80 people at a golf event in yeah. Clifton. 80 people. All government workers. Like, you can have... I, I was in. I, I was walking around in Kings Court on the weekend, and there was about 40 people in a restaurant. But you can't go to a game of football where you can be outside socially distanced in an 8,000 seater stadium. You could easily get 500 people in there. This one size fits all approach is bizarre. It just shows you that we are not on their radar in the slightest. They will just look at the sports section and go, sports, extracurricular, do we really give a fuck about this? Blanket statement. Get it off the table. Stamp, stamp, stamp. Boom, gone. What's next in the agenda? Let's get the schools back on. That's it. Yeah, that's exactly it. So, that's what you're dealing with. Just a note on last week, on a lighter note, when we were joking that we would have a wedding on the sidelines at Tata Stadium, <laughs> Robert's fan, Sabrina Sheridan, actually did get married in the ground before. Before? Yeah. Does this mean she's gotten married again? Well, according to herself on Facebook... She's no longer married. Okay, but, uh, okay. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't do that. It's a bad omen. But yeah, so, um, I, Jesus, I didn't think they would. I didn't think the council would allow it like that. I think, didn't we see one before? Um, don't tell the bride, the Irish version of it. Someone else got married and tell it. Oh, there was a Rowers fan in that. Yeah, that was as well. So we're going to have to start nominating fans for marriage. But uh, it's going to be one of the, what do they call them? Fake marriages? Not fake marriage. Sham marriage. <laughs> it's a sham marriage. Barney and Tommy Kelly getting married. And um, there was uh, great tweets from uh, Aidan Fismaris. He was talking about uh, there was a farcical situation between uh, Slovan, Bratislava and their game in the Faroe Islands. So this was the Champions League game. Right. So he said, so two, two players out of the Slovan camp tested positive for COVID before departure. So those two didn't travel. So then the whole squad was tested on arrival in the Pharaohs and there was another positive test. So then the the Pharaohs authorities, uh, they forbid the Slovan, the Slovan team to play right. because of this positive test. So then the first team squad went into isolation in the Faroe Islands. Okay. So then Slovan flew over a 16 strong under 19 slash B team under a new coach, out to the Fair Islands to play a game moved from Wednesday to Friday. Then there was reports that one of the B team tested positive. No! Slovan disputed the test, and there was a standoff for the game. 
coming up to the, up to the seven o'clock. Do you kick reckon off. that there's a bogey doctor here? <laughs> I think it is. Bogey doctor trying to get the Farrells through the next round. Like, that's nuts. It's crazy. I have to find the article. We have to post it up online. I just don't even know if the game went ahead. That's the last thing. Yeah, that's what we're going to know. I don't know who went through. I got from it. Uh, dastardly Faroe Islanders. But, um, yeah, so we had Finland and Lithuania took Ireland off their travel green lists. So a true Rovers and Derry's European ties in the Dow had everybody double-checking the rule books who can get a boy of visiting a team can't travel. So um, that is what Prof is going to chat about next. And he's going to talk about all things Finnish. And he has Toppy. Are we saying that right? Toppy. Like Toppy is as if you had Top It. I'm yeah, saying like an Irish it. person. Top It. Top It. Top It. Yeah. Not Top E. Top It. That's it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the poor Irish tongue can't uh, can't comprehend. <laughs> so uh, this is uh, Top It. So we're joined now by a fan of Ilves Tampere by the name of Top It. And I've pronounced that brilliantly, in my opinion. So, welcome to the podcast. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, so, what would you like to talk about mainly at first? Well, the history of the club is actually a little complicated. So, can you give us some background on Ilves? Um, Yes, uh, you are correct that the history is a bit messy. Uh, as far as the football is concerned, anyway. But uh, to try to make it short, uh, the club was formed in 1931, and originally uh, it was from the beginning. It was involved in a couple of sports, football being one of them, and a couple of others. And then a few years later. They kind of left the footballing thing aside, to the aside and mainly continued with uh, ice hockey, which eventually became like the main sport that the club plays. But uh, but football was also involved, but it was pretty much in the background for a long time. Up until the 1970s, I think it was around like 1974 when Two other clubs from Tampere, who are kind of going bankrupt, they had a fusion, and afterwards, uh, what became of that fusion was called Ilves Football, I guess that what would you you would call it in English, and uh, it played in the first division for a couple of years, and. I think the first league season for the club was in 1979, if I'm correct. And I think we also won the, won the Finnish Cup same year for the first time. And then in the 80s, uh, I think that that was kind of considered the glory years, the mid-80s. We had pretty good sex, pretty good success in the league. We Won the league, won the league in 1983, and then in '84 we played against Juventus. Uh, that was a big game. Uh, I think the attendance was like 24,000 or something in Tampere, so that was a pretty big game. And 
then coming into the 90s, it, uh, it kind of declined the success and uh, eventually, eventually what happened in the late 90s was that after the club was uh, relegated from the league and played in the first division a couple for a couple of years after that, uh, what then what happened that it, it didn't go bankrupt, but it just stopped having the men's team and it was changed into another club or like an, another club was formed that took Ilves' place and and uh, then for like 20 years afterwards there really wasn't like a men's team for Ilves. Uh, so it was mostly involved with hockey during that time again. But uh, but there was football also for for you know like the junior teams. They kept going what was through that? the 90s as well. What was that like for you then to have no men's football team from 1999 to 2007? Was that crazy not having a team to support all of a sudden? Uh, yes, it was, and it was it was a very big shock. I can remember when it happened. Uh, I remember reading it from the newspaper. I was like 13 or 14 at the time, and uh, yeah, it was shocking. It and <laughs> no, I wasn't happy about it. Of course, you know. It, it was very bad, but you know, it was like one of those situations where you just couldn't do anything about it. You just had to live with it, and uh, and I don't know. I guess some people started uh, kind of going to the games and supporting the club that was that took Ilves' place. It was called Tampere United. You know, some people got into that a bit more, and some people didn't at all, or whatever. And uh, you know. So it, the club was pretty much on hiatus for a long time, as far as the football was concerned. But you know, it's been coming back since I think it was reformed in 2007. I think it was uh, when the men's team got reformed, and it's been going relatively strong ever since. So uh, you know, uh, last last season was pretty good for us. Uh, we won the cup. That's actually first first thing that I've ever seen. Ilves win, so that's pretty good. And um, uh, we were looking pretty good for winning the league for a long time last year, last season. But uh, eventually, kind of ran out of gas at the end. But uh, but yeah, yeah, it's been it's been pretty good good years for the club recently. So. Uh, this season so far, mm, well, not not too impressed. But uh, we had a we had a pretty good victory yesterday at home against FC Lahti. We won three one. That looked to be in, the team looked to be in pretty good form yesterday. So Before. I'm well happy with that one. Before we talk about uh, what's going on this season, just a bit more on the club itself. Is is there a story behind the nickname the Bobcats and the club crest? Because it's it's one of the more unusual crests I think I've ever seen. Uh, well, yeah, that's not 
actually the ori original crest that that we have right now this one is from 1962 i believe and before that it was completely different i can't really describe it in verse but there was also a bobcat it was bobcat in it but it wasn't just a head it was like the full figure of a bobcat and then there was like this Ilves Tampere text in it also but then in the early 60s uh, if I'm not mistaken they were thinking like uh, they wanted to like make a new crest and make it a bit more appealing to the young people or something like that so so some guy designed the new one and uh, I don't know it might look <laughs> weird for for people from Ireland maybe because it's um, I know that it might look like an unusual crest for uh, for an Irish person but uh, uh, it's uh, I think it's a beautiful <laughs> a beautiful crest and uh, it's it's very well known in Finland it's like one of those known symbols that you know like it's very recogni recognizable and uh, it's, it's a classic Classic crest in, in a, Finnish sports. Is yeah. there a bobcat mascot? Uh, I think there is. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually not not sure about it, but if if there is that currently, but there has been in the past, anyways. Do you remember when you started following Ilves yourself? Do you remember what year it was? Um. Well, yes, in football, I think. The first game that I went to was in like uh, I think it was 1995, I believe. Yes, I was I was like 10 years old. And your stadium and holds a little over 5,000 people. So, what would your average attendance be, and how popular is the team in the city of Tampere? Is it always going to be kind of second to the hockey team? Well, it's probably going to always be second to the hockey team, but. Uh, but Ilves is the by far the biggest club in the Pirkanmaa region in 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 which Tampere is located at, and in Tampere also it uh, the even the football side is it has a quite 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 big support you know as far as Finland is concerned yes so the attendance is average attendance is for for Ilves has been you know, top of, almost top of the league for for as long as I can remember. I was on your website earlier, I noticed it said they had an Ilves hockey podcast, but is there any sign of a football podcast coming out for the club? Um, no, as far as I'm I'm aware there isn't. Uh, the football talk has been mainly in like uh, net forums and stuff like that i don't think there is a football podcast and plans for a new stadium were announced around six years ago or so are there any new developments on that um not really nothing nothing that i can think of at the moment uh i but it if if i'm not mistaken they should start building it in like next year or something but i'm not i'm not totally sure about that because the plans have been chasing chasing so many times 
throughout the years that I'm <laughs> I've lost track of <laughs> how 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 it's, things are exactly going right now. But so you mentioned, but that. yeah, of course, of course, I am looking forward to put for when they get the new stadium made because I think it's going to be pretty awesome to have like a proper modern day looking football stadium even though our old stadium is a considered kind of a classic in Finland and it is but you know it's just just getting a bit too old and a bit too small so you mentioned last year Ilves had a pretty good season you finished fourth only the champions had a better defensive record mm-hmm. but, but this season you're mid-table at the moment with one of the worst defenses in the league so is that a concern yeah yeah um yeah i don't know just i guess maybe well obviously the corona the corona had had an effect on everybody but i think it kind of effect had a really bad effect on Ilves, you know forming the team for this season i i don't know i think we're gonna kind of low short on money and stuff like that at the moment so I'm not I'm not uh, I don't think that we're gonna we're gonna make any like new player assignments or anything that we might need to have a bit of a better looking form than at the moment but yesterday we were looking good though like I said before so I don't know we'll see We'll see. And who do you consider to be the best players in your team? Who should Rovers fans watch out for? Well, um, well, I guess I would have to mention this guy called, called um, Lauri Alamullumäki, uh, number ten. Uh, he's kind of like a midfield player that, but he connects connects a lot with the with the attackers and. He he also scores a lot of our goals. So and there has been talk talk for the past couple of years of of him. He might be moving moving to somewhere in Europe to play, but hasn't happened so far. And I don't know what the situation with that is at the moment. But uh, but yeah, he's he's one guy. And also also this guy called Jair. I can't remember his number. <laughs> From from the top of my dome right now, but uh, I think he's, he's another one. I think he's number five. I, I saw him on YouTube uh, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think he's. I think Jairus Jairus uh, number five. Yeah, I think he might be. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he's a he's he's been looking pretty good this season. Uh, well, last season also, but but right now he's he's really earning his spot at the moment. So maybe those those two guys. At least, I think he plays on the right side of midfield. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, mainly. So yes, I would say. Your manager, uh, Jarko Vis, he's been there since two thousand sixteen. What style of football do you play under him? Well, mainly it's it might not be the most entertaining kind of attacking sort of football at least last season uh, when 
when we were on top of the league, uh, it, it was mostly kind of uh, like, you know, scored that one necessary goal that you need to win and, you know, don't let the opponents, you know, score. So it's kind of very defensive football at its best, uh, you know, effective. But, 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 you know, this season it hasn't, maybe been exactly the same uh, actually with it's been more more like attack attack driven football this season compared to the what what has been in the past under Yarkovis but uh, but yeah uh, I think he is a pretty good manager one of the one of the best ones in the league I think uh, so 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 uh so yeah, I don't know. Uh, of course, Shamrock will be the clear favorites to win it, but uh, but who knows? Who knows what can happen? So. And you mentioned earlier last season you won the cup for the first time in thirty years, your first major trophy in thirty years. Yeah. Shamrock Rovers know all about that because we won our cup for the first time in thirty-two years last season. So, describe the joy you and the fans felt that day. Actually, there's uh, kind of a gloomy story involved in that. Actually, because uh, yeah, we uh, we traveled uh, over to Oland to, to this small town called Marianhamina to play the cup final there against the local team. And uh, what happens is was that uh, when the referee blew the final whistle. Uh, a couple of, well, of course, you know, the away supporters, you know, the Liverpool supporters went crazy, like, you know, with joy, you know, celebrating the win and all that. But uh, what happens, happened was that, like, uh, you know, a few guys tried to do, uh, like, a bits invasion, bits invasion and, uh, you know, they got tackled by these uh, security guys. And uh, after that, the other security Guys that were there, uh, you know, this it was like this hired security company. They started praying the away crowd with uh, like this uh, pepper spray. So the whole away section got like maced. So that was kind of nasty. Uh, I also got 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 the pepper spray in my eyes, and uh, so instead of <laughs> having a proper proper cup win celebration you know we were washing our eyes off with water behind that behind that the stadium did that put a damper on on everyone's day obviously yes yes it did uh, everyone was just really down in, in the dance after that you know there it it was really really sad like depressing because uh, you know the first time you see your club win something and but you can't really see it because you've been fucking mazed. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, that, that was a bad one. So there was no football played in Finland for four months from February to June because of the coronavirus. In, in Ireland, mm, it, got yes. actually, it got quite messy here trying to work out a financial package to get the league to return. What was it like in Finland? How did they go about getting teams back in the pitch safely? 
Well, I don't know how how I went exactly, but uh, yeah, the originally the season was supposed to start in uh, April, as it usually does, but um, then, but yeah, we were in a lockdown back then, and uh, I guess I can't remember when when they announced that you know like like football clubs are allowed to train again and stuff like that. Maybe that was in like May or early June or something like that. Or maybe it was before. I'm not sure about it. But but yeah, obviously, you know, there hasn't been a like a proper training for the season. But that's the same for, for all the clubs, of course. So there's no advantages there for anyone. So it is what it is. And are you watching the games on TV at the moment? And how strange is it with no fans in the ground? It's just not the same, really, is it? Well, actually, uh, we are allowed to go to the games. Because uh, the corona situation in Finland hasn't been as bad as it has been in some other countries. So sometime in June, they or was it in the beginning of June, I think it was, when they started loosening up like this like this Corona rules and uh, so people have been allowed to go to the games, but they have had to put people into like different sections throughout the stadium. So there's only like 500 people at most. I think it was that are allowed to be in the same space or something like that. And how do you find that experience? Well, it's well, it's not the same, obviously, as as like like as like having a proper proper setup. But uh, um, but I guess that under the current circumstances, I'll I'll take it this, you know, before just having to watch the game on TV. Um, what was the reaction by the fans and the media when Ilves were drawn against Shamrock Rovers? What's their view of Irish football teams and Rovers in particular? Is this seen as a fairly tough opponent? Well, yes, I would say so. That uh, I think the general consensus is that uh, Shamrock are the are the clear uh, like favourites to win this. But uh, you know, it's always always great to when Ilves qualifies for anything Europe related so so just to just to get to play these games is great but but I yeah I do wish that the corona never happened so that we could have had an awesome away trip to Dublin and uh, that would have been awesome but uh, yeah I guess just have to try to take the best out of a bad situation and uh, hopefully Hopefully Ilves, Ilves gives us a performance that uh, we can be proud of. Would you have travelled over here yourself? Is it Ireland somewhere you've never been before? Uh, I think that I definitely would have, yes, if the if, if the opportunity was there. And I have I haven't been to Ireland never, so I think I would have taken like a couple of days of work to do that. Uh, most likely, yeah. 
And the fact that it's only one game and not a two-legged affair and robbers obviously have home advantage, it's very significant. But would you have been more hopeful if it was played in Finland? Or the fact that it has to be played behind closed doors, does that make it more of a level playing field? I don't know if the closed doors thing has an effect on the game itself. Uh, but maybe Ilves would have had a little bit better chances if the game was played in Tampere. But uh, yeah, I guess it is kind of a David versus Goliath situation or something. Us being the <laughs> David character, obviously. So. I wouldn't go so, that far. Uh, well, I don't know, but uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, Ilves were beaten by Slavia Sofia in the Europa League a couple of years ago. Was that a big occasion yeah. for the club? And how do you think you fared against the Bulgarians that time? That was a big. That was a big deal for the club, and uh, we were very excited about it. And it was a it was a good trip uh, with, with that. Uh, with with some friends to, that we took to Sofia, never been there before either. So we had a nice couple of days there in Bulgaria. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Ilves didn't do so well against against Sofia. Then I think that if we would have had more of a squad like we had in the Previous season, I think we we probably would have won that one, but uh, but yeah, I I wasn't too have I wasn't too impressed by that performance. I think we we, we should have did better there, but uh, but yeah, like I said, it was still a nice a nice trip to Europe. So and there's been some uncertainty surrounding this tie even taking place at all we're recording this on Sunday night here but we understand that the Ilves team have made travel arrangements and your CEO was speaking recently and said that the issue was actually about whether or not your team would have to quarantine for two weeks upon their return yeah, to Finland yeah. yeah yeah yeah, that's right um, as far as I know that's the that's the issue right now but there's still no word about it what will it be because you know if the team will be, get quarantined for two weeks, you know, it's not a good thing in the middle of the season. So I don't know what's going to happen, but yeah, uh, the team the team is definitely allowed to travel because it's a business trip. But they will only but they will have to make arrangements so that it will be like a private jet or something like that. But yeah, that's not the problem. Like I said, but uh. But the quarantine issue. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see what's going to happen with that. Well, let's just hope that we'll play, you know, under whatever consist- can, uh, <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say, but yeah. And finally, give us your prediction for Thursday. Well, score or something yeah uh, I'm gonna say the Samrock will win 
one to nothing. That's my prediction. Yeah. In but Lewis will put out a good performance. In ninety minutes. Yeah, yeah, ninety minutes. I'd say yes. What's right. your prediction? Uh, I'm gonna say two one win for for Robert. Oh. So I'm giving you a well, goal. Uh, that sounds that sounds better than my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Like I said, let's just let's hope that we'll play first and then then think about the score. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Toppy, uh, thanks so much for talking to us today, and uh, may the best team win. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, this was. This was. This wasn't too bad, <laughs> although I was a bit nervous because you know speaking English and all that. <laughs> Don't usually do it, but uh, yeah, thanks for this and uh, good luck. <laughs> thanks so much, bye. Bye. So that was Toppy and uh, some great stories, bro. Yeah, maced for a cup win, pitch invasion. Yeah, celebrating your first cup win in thirty years and get maced. Always hanging out your head. Is it not common around the world? To run on the pitch after you win a cup, like I know, like we can't do it at the Aviva Stadium, but there's thirty thousand people there in our national stadium. I actually checked the capacity for this ground in which they won their cup final, sixteen hundred. Chomping at the bit to maze people, like think about it. Win the cup final, obviously they, there was some context there, and they knew the cops knew, and like okay, lads, they're running on the pitch to celebrate the first cup win. Thirties, what we do? Fucking maze them. Let's maze them. So what, how did they jump from happy fans celebrating Cup win to getting maced? <laughs> what did they do that was that bad? I was wrong about no fans being in the allowed in the in the stands. I probably I probably wasn't paying close enough attention to my YouTube clips there. I th- I did see some people spaced. I mean, very, very little. I did see some pa- people spaced out. But I figured it was kind of a you know behind closed doors job, volunteers and certain people mm. allowed in. I didn't realize it was like officially five hundred. Which is what we were hoping for like a few weeks back. Yeah, no chance of that now. I have a weird story about Keith Armstrong. Okay. He's an English coach who's spent the majority of his career in Finland. So he's a naturalised Finn now. And he won, he won a double with HJK Helsinki. And he likes to do a bit of punditry as well. So. Okay. He was appointed manager of Ilves back in October 2014. And a year later... In October 2015, he missed Ilves' match against SJK to present MTV3's Premier League coverage. He actually missed one of his own games. To do television. And Surely he was sacked. And two days later he was sacked. Yeah, dead right. What an idiot. Why? Imagine that. Imagine how little you care. Being a... Oh, stop. The move of a media horror, I say. I'd, ne- I'd never do that. You'd know about that. Never do that. Do you have any more dumb facts about uh, Tampere first? No, no, no more. They love chicken wings and black pudding sausages. That's about it. Did you know that it's, it's always the, food related? Did you know it's the sauna capital of the world? Oh, the prof has a few stats. No. Do you, do you, do you I, like a good sauna? I again? do like a good sauna. I'd be into that, especially after a, a good night on it. Save for the bathhouses. So that is it for Toppy. So Prof, hit us with the stats. There is a mathematician, a different kind of mathematician, and a statistician. Stats out!
Ikke lyst til mere, du starter til. <laughs> But, uh, the honest is on you to stop me if, if this gets boring, okay? So, if anyone gives out, Gary didn't stop me. So, we recorded two scoreless draws in a row for the first time since March 2013 under Crotty. Mm, I would have thought that was a nutty job now. Yeah. Nutty would love the old draws. I was convinced it was going to be nutty as well. Yeah. But that was away to balls in Shelburne. <laughs> Only the second time since the start of 2017 that we failed to score in two consecutive league games. That's a pretty good record. That's a pretty good record, yeah. Mm-hmm. Should we tell listeners about our Golden Gold competition that we ran before these two scoreless draws? <sighs> well, apparently it's jinxed and <laughs> we've ruined the team's uh, creative energy. So You couldn't make it up. We started the Golden Gold competition and the following two games had no goals. Yeah, in the way it worked was we all put 15 quid into the pot and it turned out that there was loads of us so we had more. So we sponsored C-Block and the rest of it went into a Golden Gold. So... Myself and the ever creative Deco Fitz came up with a system where you get to um, you get three or four chances of winning a golden goal. So you get like three minute three minute twenty five minute seventy seven minute ninety, and you get all those chances. And there was maybe a hundred quid in the pot. So we said we'll keep it on going and we'll do a five a week, and then we do the same thing again. Mix up the groups and you get a couple of chances to win. It's falling flat in its face. Flat in its face, and we're being blamed on the team's misfortunes now at the minute. And you just know as soon as we stop and postpone for a week, we'll score like seven. Yeah, I know, it's not fair at all. Mm. We're getting awful abuse here. So, you, you talked about our home record earlier. We're unbeaten in 15 games at Tallis Stadium. 15 games. We've won 13 of those. Record is 18, so we've got three massive home games coming up in the space of nine days. Fingers crossed we can equal that. Yes. So on Saturday you he- you heard the uh, Toppy, he he was happy with their performance, that three one win that moves them up to sixth. It was actually only their second win in nine games, so they're not the farm hasn't been good. No, they were uh, languishing in the bottom half of the league for a while, mm. near enough to relegation playoff. And that midfielder he mentioned, Larry something something, no way I can pronounce that. Yeah. Well, he, actually, hold on. What was what's uh, Toppy's second name, Prof? I deliberately left that out there because <laughs> there's just no hope loads of weird uh, character wingdings remember that <laughs> remember wingdings I wouldn't even attempt I wouldn't know where to start so anyway this this Laurie fella he scored 12 goals last season he has 3 so far and, and he topy picked picked him out as the danger man and the Brazilian he picked out him as well Yair isn't it one of four one of four Ferdinand's in the squad <laughs> Farting, get the farting dodge the hook. And in general, remind us again, uh, Tom, what are Ilves like? Uh, they're also very big and very very strong. So it's so in our squad, Gar, who do you think has made the most European appearances? Ooh, it has to be Ronan Finn. As in their careers now. Overall career, Ronan Finn. Finn is 23 for us and he's 39 in total. Yeah. So he's looking for 40 and that will put him one behind Oddie Cattle. So he's looking to become, say we get through another round, he's looking to tie Oddi as the most oh. most European appearance by an outfield player. I like that. Oh, so goalies. Gary Rogers is top. Gary Rogers. Yeah. So who do you think is next on our list? Oh, okay, let me run through it. Manus, no. Uh, why do you really love Manus? I, well, he wouldn't have. Would he have played much with St. Johnson? 
Yeah, he did, surprisingly. Really? Played, played did 12, they play much in Europe? Played 12 times. 12 times in Europe for St. Johnson? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with possibly Aaron Green. Scored for Pats in Europe. He'd be up there, but not, not our top four. Um, let me think. Pico? No? No. Supposed to answer. <laughs> uh, oh man Borky no sure Borky's only pay for us oh come on hit me so Manus is second and 36 Greg Bulger 36 yeah 14 for oh, Linfield Bulger 14 for Linfield 12 forgotten for, injured man 12 for St. Johnson 10 for Roberts yeah so Bulger was third 27 Joey was fourth on 22 so Joey would have played mm. Besiktas and geez, I wouldn't think West Ham be playing so many European games now I think it was a uh, Bolton was wasn't a, he part of that Bolton team there was Bolton that? in there as well yeah JJ Akocha and who else Yuri Yorkoyev Ivan Campo <laughs> what a team and Finn has still never scored a European goal <laughs> ever nope Ron Finn's never scored a European goal no sure ah it's the start of the week uh, we, no we've mentioned this a couple of times that's a great start neither is Twig there was actually there was a quiz question remember uh, it, it uh, duped Greg Bolger mm. it was a yes or no has Finn ever scored a European goal? And you know and what? Said, that yeah, makes it even worse. Your man Scully off balls scored in Europe. Yeah. That just this makes you feel sick, doesn't it? And Gary Twig didn't. Gary Twig didn't. So a few potential debutants in European competition. Neil Ferrugia, mm-hmm. Dan Lafferty, mm-hmm. Liam Scales and Rory Gaffney. Dan Lafferty? Yep. Yeah, because he would have been playing lower leagues, wouldn't he? <clears throat> I think he had one Premier League season, but they were you know nowhere near Europe. Uh, eight players in the current squad have scored a European goal. Ooh. Will I list them or do you want to guess them? Okay, we're going to go with Brookie. Yep. Greener. Yep. Pico. Yep. Grace. Jack. Mm, who, who scored the winner against Brand? Mm, O'Neill. Yep. I said Greener. Um. The, the other two haven't scored for us they've scored for other, other clubs yeah McInef for Derry go on give me the last one and Reese Marshall for Glen Avenue oh I'd never have gotten that yeah. never never have gotten that but I uh, did well yep so so we haven't kept a clean sheet in our last eight European games last one was staring at that's a good one staring at at home and uh, here's, an, here's an interesting one Adam Manis has not kept a clean sheet in his last 11 European appearances. Ooh, That's four prof, for Rovers. We'll seven, be called the Jinx. Seven for St. Johnson. His last one was a 1-0 win in Minsk in 2013. Minsk. Yeah. Great. I'm loving this, actually. Yeah. He gone. So we went We went four European games unbeaten last year until Cyprus. That was a record. Four in a row. And... Uh, we won two consecutive home games for the first time since 78. Looking for three now. Three home unbeaten since we had four. Come on, that. From 1965 to 1967. Listen to these names. Saragossa, Spar Luxembourg, Bayern Munich and Cardiff City. <laughs> Bayern Munich. Heavyweights. We were within five minutes of eliminating Bayern Munich from the Cup Winners' Cup. Unbelievable. In 66. Uh, in Cyprus, Lee Grace was the third Rovers player ever to be sent off in a European match. The, oh. the other two were Tony O'Connell in 1964, and you should know the other one, Gare. Who got sent off in Turkey, or against the Turkish club. Against the Turks? Yeah. 
Was it Beach? Aldi's Bar, yep. Sent off an extra time at Talca Park. And one of Ilves' players, uh, Saskala, he actually scored the second goal for Raps in Tala. No way! I love those ones. Love those. And that's something I always kind of delve into. Because I was getting slagged for checking squads and looking them in. But I always want to see if I can see someone else that's in the squad that might have played against us or something like that, you know? I didn't know about the time. Uh, Stephen Bradley has equaled Michael O'Neill's three wins in Europe and he's only behind John Giles on four O'Neill holds the record knockout ties one on three so Bradley's on two looking to equal lovely and uh, if you look at Bradley's match day squad in his first ever game which was also against Finnish opposition Rops in Lapland I think we mentioned this with Sean Boy didn't we only from, from that match squad only two survivors into the 2019 season and that was Sean Boyd and Trevor Clark. Aaron Bolger wasn't in the squad he didn't make his debut until Cork in the Cup mm-hmm. and and he joined Cardiff permanently as well for a year so he's not a continuous you know survivor from the team uh, and Bradley is set to equal Liam to he's 12 European games in charge Michael Neal's out in front there with 16 Loving it, Prof. Loving these European stats. A couple more left if you're interested. Keep it going, Prof. Yeah. So, Rovers. Sorry. <laughs> Rovers hold all the records in, the, in these categories. This is their 29th appearance. We've played overall. Eight. Total overall. Yeah. Ever. Since we're formed. Yep. We've played 82 games. We've won 18. They're all records. The only one we still haven't quite got our hands on is most ties won. And ourselves, Dundalk, Cork and Pats were all levelled on 10 ties, one each. Ooh. So we could break that record. Pats have held on to this one for a good while now. Dundalk are gone, so that's them gone. No, they're still in Europe. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, they've another yeah. drop down league. Yeah, that's that's the what's the tin pot one. Yep. The 10 penny cup. <laughs> Do you notice when people were talking about Vinnie Perth, they were saying he'd won four trophies. Yeah, but they're the pots and pans. <laughs> Him standing there, the pots and pans. <laughs> bing, bing, bing. Having <laughs> the President's Cup and the United Union. I mean, if we win the league and we're involved in those cups next year, there'll be fun games to, to go to and and play and win. But if but, we don't win the league and we won the league cup, we're not going to be hoisting that above our heads saying, look no. at this. <laughs> not happening. No, it'll be a real kennel man. 2012 Leinster Senior Cup job Guilt, guilty look in his face holding up the cup like <laughs> is, is this okay or hoping he doesn't get belted belt or something in the mouth <laughs> so this is our sixth successive season we've qualified for Europe our best run was eight in the 1960s record was actually held by Shelburne they, they qualified for 12 years in a row once it's actually unusual that we're playing cup holders you might think this would happen Ooh. more often. But since we qualified for the group stage in 2011, we have only played one reigning cup holders, and that was Odds BK in 2015. So Odds BK, yeah. And if you want to go back further, we've played eight. This is the 18th club we've faced since 2010, and the only cup holders were Flora Tallinn and Partizan, because they were double winners. And were they in Europe because of that cup? Or did they qualify? Well, they were double winners, so... Yeah. Like, Flora double got win, into okay. the Champions League, Partizan got into the Champions League, and dropped, I 
think they dropped into the Europa League like we did. So obviously last time we we entered as cup holders ourselves was 1987. We lost to Nicosia. And uh, just a note on Cork, the Cork game on Monday. The last time we tried to defend the cup, Gary, it didn't go too well. Oh. A shock 2-0 defeat at home to 1st Division UCD in 1988. Mick Bourne would have been in that one, wouldn't he? I don't want to end on that note, so I've got another one. I love this fact. Our first four, or sorry, our first six home FEI Cup ties against Cork City were all played at different venues. Oh ho! So we had Mill. Well, wow, that's a good start. Yeah, I love this one. We had Milltown, Daly Mount, RDS, Santry, Talca, and Talla. Fuck hell. That is outrageous. That just sums us up, isn't it? In the wilderness years. So that, that is it for the stats this week. Prof oh, has exa- blasted us. I'm exhausted. He's emptied his beans. The bench is gone. I actually he, lost my voice. Yeah, he's gone. He's gone for a little nap now. So uh, You just pick a team and I'll copy yours. I, that can't, was, I, I can't speak <laughs> now. Of two teams this week, actually. So that's the stats. And next up is the starting 11s and predictions. So I have two teams here and I've been going over for a while. I was thinking of changing it, but then I thought to myself, why change it for Europe? I'll tell you what I was going to go with originally, but I'll tell you what I'm going to go with now. So I was going to go with Manus, Pico, Joey and Scales because Grace is out, right? I was going to go with a slightly different, not a different formation, but a more attacking formation. I was going to go with Lafferty wing-back and Marshall wing-back, Finn and McInef in the middle, Bourne and Ferrugia and Bork in a top three, you could say. Ooh. So an attacking formation with the three of them up top. So like Ferrugia on the left or Bourne on the right and just in behind Bourke with the two wing backs Marshall and Lafferty going forward and overlapping and creating space and it's very causing very uncloudy it is uncloudy that's the that's actually what one of the lads in work said to me who just happened to be playing in the game Shelburne and he was like what's the story with everyone just coming together all just morphing into the same play I was like yeah that's the cloud <laughs> That's the cloud. It seems you've never heard of the cloud. <laughs> you want to be part of then you're just part of the cloud. Yeah, so it, it would have been... So two wing-backs, and then you could say a cloud, but it would have been more of a three-pronged attack with Bork, Bourne and Ferrugia leading it. So you'd have Ferrugia collecting the ball way up the pitch and Lafferty giving him a dig-out. Now, I don't think I want to experiment in Europe. So that would be left to the side for another day. And for European... Exploits, I'm going to go Manus, Pico, Scales and Joey. I'll play Ferrugia fullback with Marshall fullback as well. Uh, left and right. So I'm going to start Marshall. I think it's a suit him. I think he's fit. I think he's ready. I'm going to play Gary O'Neill, Finn and McInef in the middle. Three of them and Jack and Bork. I'm dropping Greener again, unfortunately. He's not doing it for me at the minute. Probably needs a rest. Maybe a goal against Cork. But it's Bork up top. Jack in behind him. Gary O'Neill, Finn, McInef in the middle of the park, doing what they do. Marshall on the right, Fruge on the left, three boys at the back, Pico, Joey, Scales, and Manus in goal. So, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go... I'm struggling here. I don't know what team's going to turn up. 
Is it going to be super defensive Ilves versus Rovers who can't break down super defensive Ilves? It's a tough one, but I'm confident because it's Europe. I think Jack's going to light it up. I'm going to say... I'm going to say a clean sheet and a 3 0 win with Jack to start a goal and two assists with uh, McInef and Finner scoring his fourth European goal. Uh, I'm actually going to I'm going to leave Finn where he is. Okay, on the right, right wing back. So Finn is going to stay there. Yeah. I'm going to. Does he get long arrows or short arrows? It's <laughs> a very challenging manager question. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with your attacking team as in I, I'm going to drop Green as well and you got Jack behind Green Burke yeah the only difference is I'm going to start Lafferty Ooh. and I'm going to bring Ferruja on for the last 30-35 minutes to run a muck and possibly turn the game if it needs turning hope he's won by then yeah uh, I already said my prediction during the interview I said 2-1 which, which is tighter than I would like. I'm hoping it's going to be a two or three nil, but yeah. But uh, who cares, really? As long as we've got through, it's all about getting through at this stage. Yeah. So that's the predictions. We have the cork now as well. I think we're looking at a Thursday game. Um, it's a tough one to predict, but we're gonna go with uh, Manison goal. Considering how important the cup games are, we've got to play our best team. So it's gonna be Grace. Pico and Scales for me and um, I'm going to drop Joey with one eye on, on balls in the coming week uh, I think Marshall Marshall's going to deserve the, ugh, we're predicting if, even if people play well against Ilves so I'm going to play Marshall again on the right uh, I'm going to put Lafferty on the left I'm going to mix it up and put Watts in the middle with Finn McAniff and Gaffney's out isn't he Greener to start, and a Jack, of course, to run the show. Not sure what score. I'm gonna say two, 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 one, tight win at home, with a, a Pico goal, a Ferrugia to get off the mark, coming off the bench. I'm gonna say uh, a two nil win over Cork. Uh, so basically, I'm gonna my cha- changes from my team against Silves. So I'm putting Greener back in the team. Yep. I'm putting Lee Grace back in the team. Yeah. I'm putting Ferruja back, but I'm starting Marshall. And I'm going to drop... I have Marshall starting the both games. You have him starting yeah. just the cork. I'm going to drop McAniff for Aaron Bulger. Ooh! Because he had a cracker of a game against them before. Yeah. Do you remember that? Man the match. He was brilliant. And that's the thing. Maybe we should start giving ourselves points and... Because I don't mind doing that. I don't mind accumulating points and looking at this stuff. So what we could do is we could write down our team every week. Every time we get a player right in the right position, we uh, we get a point. And then mm-hmm. for the if we get a, a score right, we get three points. And then we can compare at the end, right? So I'll work on that. That'd be a bit of crack. You can have the Gary and, and, and Carl scoreboard hanging that, up there. That's it, yeah. That's it. That's not a bad idea. So, yeah, that is our predictions and scores for this week it's a very 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 important two weeks for the club so let's get behind the, the team and like say that get behind the team what are we going to do scream at the telly like it's 
very frustrating time to be a Set fan. off flares and Weistown way. <laughs> yeah, very frustrating time. Very, very frustrating time to be a fan. So, the club will make our UEFA Europa qualifier stream available free of charge to club members. 2020 season ticket holders. All of our mm. National League players and coaches from other 30 in the first division squad and also the families of the first team squad and staff which is a fantastic gesture once again yeah, that's brilliant considering other clubs are charging extortionate rates to, to for their fans to view so uh, once again we are leading the way in looking after our own fans um, the stream will be available worldwide for 10 euro everywhere else except Finland so if you're all around the world does that mean that Paul O'Connell is the only Rovers fan in the world who can't watch this game? Surely he can get a VPN. <laughs> Surely he can do something. He'd be going nuts, wouldn't he? Um, and we on commentary, we have uh, the team of Con Murphy and Shane Robinson. Yeah, I was surprised with Robbo being involved in that one, but it's great to hear. Well, it makes he will sense. Be our, uh, yeah, a resident Finland, Finland um, expert with the ever-reliable Con. I'm sure they'll uh, do an excellent job, but... I highly doubt they'll deliver classic lines like we heard from Brian Kerr in the Champions League final when he talked about Mueller and Neuer and he's not afraid to take the ball to the mush. Or what else? Uh, He had a cracker before in the World Cup. The head in your man. (laughs) I love him as a commentator. The best part about that head in your man was he was in the middle of another sentence. (laughs) Yes! He was talking he was. about, he was like, he needs to get tight on, on out and change the head in your man. <laughs> it was brilliant. I think it was a Dutch guy with a orange mohawk. Oh, he's brilliant. I don't understand the haters at all. I don't get it. I really don't. I think he knows his football. It'd be one thing if he was thick. Yeah. But he's intelligent and he, he has double knees. Yeah. It's a great combo. I think so. I think it's great, yeah. It's just unfortunate that the club he follows. But yeah, yeah, so like we said, the stream will be available everywhere except Finland, and the members promo will air soon enough. So very, very happy with this prof. You are deeply involved in this one. <laughs> yeah, you and Patrick Martin both recorded yours in your car, and you both look shattered. Yes, oh, he was absolutely wrecked. Was Pat? Is Pat have his usual <laughs> uh, in input? Pat says he was hungover. <laughs> oh, what's new there? So re- really look forward to this. It's gonna be great and uh, make sure you check it out so a digital copy of the fantastic hoop scene is available for the Shelbourne game just gone and that's a new initiative that you can still get the 6 match bundle for 39 quid or buy individual issues for Ilves and that's a double issue with the court game and balls so get ordering them and the programme has gotten great feedback since the return so we're really really happy with the uptake as well and once again uh, it's doing great stuff and fantastic tells in the east and um article every week it's so. cool when you see on twitter isn't it people like saying oh my copy arrived yeah it's deadly it really does bring a tear to a tear eye prof so that is pretty much it for this week ahead of a massive two weeks for the club where we have Tampa <laughs> Tampere um, Cork and Balls in three different competitions can you think of the last time we played there's a star can you think of the last time we played in three different competitions in three Consecutive games. That's a good one. Oh, I thought you were going to say at home. So we've got league, cup. I wouldn't league Europa League cup or cup whatever way it works. I wouldn't say it's that uncommon. Maybe the fact that it's all in Tala would be more unique. Yeah, yeah. Because I actually remember, remember, 
at what we achieved in Bill Grade, and we came home, and uh, the the players got that warm welcome in the airport. Oh yeah, yeah. And then the following Sunday, we played UCD at home in the cup, and I think like thousand people went to it or something. So there's an example of like you know we're already cup league, so probably happened a couple of times. All without fans this time, unfortunately. But yeah. uh, once again, it is. It's been a pleasure, Prof. This week, like we said before, it's a big, big two weeks for the club. Really looking forward to it. So uh, we'll see you in a secret location on Thursday. And keep on hooping. See ya. Bobcat tracks in the snow. Tell me, Mr. Bobcat, where is it that you go? Down among the town lights in that valley below. Tell me, Mr. Bobcat, where is it that you go? There's a horse on my trail, begging a meal. Biting at my hands, they're so cold I can't feel Tell me, Mr. Horse, what is your deal? Yeah, what is your deal? Frozen night Tell me Mr. Dog Do you feel all